You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Talking Football with Ray. My name is Ray, and I'm going to be the one talking football with you on this Wednesday, November 17th. I don't know what it's like where you are, but it is colder than a witch's bleep today here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I got a whole lot of stuff to talk about, man. I'm going to preview the Falcons and the Patriots. We're going to talk about Damian Harris coming back. Cam Newton's probably starting Sunday. The AFC is inconsistent. Kyler Murray's close to returning. Jacoby Myers is loved by all. Tyree Kill, is he an all-time great receiver? And should Bill Belichick be deemed, named, and win coach of the year? That's everything that we're going to go through today. But first, I got to tell you that this is brought to you by Symbol. Hey guys, let me take a few seconds here and tell you all about our sponsors over at Symbol. If you've thought about investing in the stock market, but you're worried about maybe making the investment because you don't know enough about the markets and investing and yada, yada, yada. Perhaps you're just not ready to put your money into crypto, even though Tom Brady and every you know football player on the planet is saying, put your money into crypto. Why not invest into something that you know all about? You know what you know about? The sports market. Symbol brilliantly combines sports betting and investments all in one place. On Symbol, you can invest in your favorite sports teams like the New England Patriots. You can take a long-term investment on teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Show your sports know-how by buying, trading, and selling shares in all your favorite college, NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA teams. You can earn money for every win. You can invest in season. You can invest out of season. It's up to you. Buy it small. Sell big. This isn't some week-to-week gambling site where you just drop a wager on one game. This is your chance to be in it for the long haul, people. Be cautious, be aggressive, be a homer. It doesn't matter. Symbol is there for you to find the value and try to make your money. Symbol is offering an absolutely crazy deal right now that I think they're insane for offering. However, click the link that I've left in the description, okay? Use the promo code DPN, and Symbol will allow you to make a completely Risk-free deposit up to, are you ready? Listen, listen carefully, $500. Yes, use that promo code DPN, and your deposit will be risk-free for, are you ready for this one? Because it's crazier than $500. 90 days, meaning if you lose money, you don't like the market, whatever reason it may be, you can withdraw your entire initial deposit, no matter what, no questions asked, just do it. 
So go check out what I think is the coolest gambling and investment site in the world. I've left the link to symbol or uh, the symbol website in the description below. So I suggest you go check it out. Show the world your sports know-how and how savvy of an investor you really are. Go check out symbol by using the link that I've left in the description and make sure that you use that promo code DPN and you can make a 90 day risk-free deposit up to five hundred dollars all right and before i get into the news today everybody who's watched me for a while you know i have a frequent guest on the show he's been on in a couple weeks we'll be back next week lawrence Owen from colt's law you see him laying the hammer down on this marcus whitman guy today over on twitter dude He's just like, I don't know, this guy had some beef against Darius Leonard. You know, Lawrence, man, he's a super, he's a bigger Colts homer than I am a Patriots homer. And he's just like, these guys are arguing. So this guy puts out a, a, a coach's film of Darius Leonard being beat. Turns out he's being held. This guy didn't show that, though. Lawrence responds to him with his own coach's film. You know you are dedicated to the game of football or at least dedicated to watching the game of football and defending your favorite players when you're walking around arguing and fighting and talking ish with coaches film but good on lawrence man i'm proud of him stand up for your rights stand up for your man but you gotta check it out go check him out at colt's law or colt's underscore law uh just look up lawrence on look up colt's law you'll find him it's I just I love it. I love when Lawrence is like like gets rough and tough, but he's like pure like professional about it. It's where I'm just like you guys know me on Twitter. I'm just yap 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 yap. Like I just don't stop, right? Like my I just the it's verbal diarrhea coming out of my mouth at all times. When Lawrence is at it, it's insanely funny, insanely funny to listen to that guy go. Um. So yeah, go check it out. Why it's funny because he's like using all this logic. Like it's almost like no one explained to Lawrence what Twitter is. And I say that with love, Lawrence. I know you watch. I know you listen. I say that with love, right? It's when I'm sitting there dropping F-bombs and just insulting everybody on the planet who gets in my way. Lawrence is sitting there trying to beat them with logic and know-how. It's Twitter, man. But I love it. It's the best Twitter beef in the world. It's like the tamest. Con- it's like they're going to shake hands at the end and say, let's just agree to disagree. I love it. I say it to you with love, Lawrence. You're the man. All right, let's get into these stories tonight. Bill Belichick is probably one of the greatest coaches in the history of football. All right, I, a lot of people will say, oh, he's a cheater. He's this, he's that. Let's get away from that for a second. The things that he does is absolutely phenomenal. One thing that Bill Belichick doesn't do a whole lot, he doesn't win coach of the year. Now, if I was a professional broadcaster, I would have researched how many times he has won the coach of the year reward. I didn't, and I can't remember. However, when you look at what he's doing with this Patriots team this year, how can he not be considered coach of the year, right? Well, PFF bet put out today that Belichick is a plus 1,200 favorite to win coach of the year. Plus 1,200. Do you understand what that means? Plus 1,200? That means you got to drop a whole lot of money to make 100 bucks. It means you got to drop 1,200 bucks if you want to make 100. That means don't bet on Bill Belichick to be coach of the year because you're not going to make money. However, he should be coach of the year, and there's a whole lot of reasons behind it. First of all, the Patriots aren't in quarterback purgatory, as a lot of people predicted after Tom Brady took his talents down to Tampa Bay. And I know that that's an old, tired phrase of mine. I promise you I will try to work on finding a new one. However, when you think about everything, you think about the Patriots record last year, right? Uh, Seven and nine. It looked like the Patriots were going to be in for the long haul. 
Bill Belichick, the GM, spends a ton of money this this offseason, right? Tight ends, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, brings in Kendrick Bourne, brings in Nelson Aguilar on defense, Matthew Judon, right? The best signing of the offseason. Uh, Devin Gotcha, Jalen Mills. Trades away Stephon Gilmore. J.C. Jackson goes down. Johnny Smith has been hurt the entire season. Drafts Mac Jones, cuts Cam Newton, has Ramondre Stevenson, trades Sony Michelle. Rookie quarterback, brand new offense, complimentary wide receivers, no true number one. What are the Patriots really going to be, right? Well, people like me told you, ah, the Patriots are going to win eight to nine games at best. That was their ceiling to me. Floor of six, eight to nine wins. I, I was wrong, obviously. The Patriots are going to win more than eight games this year. Patriots are playoff contenders. Patriots should be taken serious. And he's doing it with a rookie quarterback. Kendrick Bourne, who's he's good, but he's nothing special. And I'm not I'm not saying that it sounds insulting, but he's not Randy Moss. And I don't think even Kendrick Kendrick Bourne would say I'm not Randy Moss. 141 yards last week. 141 yards. A team that found an identity quickly. A team that's old school ground and pound football as if you can win in the NFL like that anymore. But there the Patriots are winning with ground and pound. You know, Belichick has built this team. Rex Ryan came out the other day and said this is the best coaching job Belichick's done in his career. And it's hard to argue with how well he's he's done. It's not like you can look at the Patriots and say they're a team full of superstars. Hunter Henry, yes. Maybe Jonu Smith. You can't say Mac Jones. He's a rookie. He, he probably could be one day, but you can't look at a rookie 10 games into his career and say, superstar. Matthew Judon, I think, was a really good player, not a superstar. Before he came to the Patriots, Bill Belichick, turned him into a superstar. If there was ever going to be a year that Bill Belichick should win the coach of the year, it's a 2021 season. Hands down. The Kansas City Chiefs had a are having a bad season. They look like they're kind of bouncing back. But I want to talk a little bit about Tyreek Hill. I'll start with what I saw about this. So good morning, football tweeted this out today. I guess it was on their show. I didn't get to see the show. I just heard the clip. But Peter Schreger said, quote, there's never been a more appropriate nickname for a player than the Cheetah. And Peter Schreger has major beef with the lack of talk about Tyreek Hill as an all-time great NFL receiver. And I struggle with the Tyreek Hill being an, quote, on all-time great. I mean, you figure he's got the stats. He's on pace to have another 1,000-yard season this year. Even though the, the Chiefs have been bad, he's still there. He's had three 1,000-yard seasons. He's only been in the league five years. And I think it's maybe him being in the, the season or the league five years that holds me back from saying he's an all-time great. Was Randy Moss or Megatron or Jerry Rice, were they considered all-time greats five years into their career? And we were just talking to the wide receivers. Was Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes? consider an all-time great i think we put a lot of all-time great stuff and goat talks and all these things too early on players what i will acknowledge though and i know this will upset uh the patriots faithful who listen to me everybody knows this used to be a patriot centric podcast so i know that the majority of my audience majority of my audience are patriot fans however i know this is going to bother people but i i think tyree kill has to be looked at as one of the best in the league he's definitely an elite wide receiver and i got to agree with peter schreiger i mean the the Nicknamed Cheetah is the most appropriate name that anybody could have for a wide receiver uh, like Tyree Kill. 
I'm not ready to put the all-time grade on him now because what if he blows an ACL this year and never plays again? Can you have a five-and-a-half-year career and be considered an all-time great? Maybe you could be considered a what could have been. I mean, you think of guys like – if you think of baseball, you think of Ken Griffey Jr. He's an all-time great, but do we call him the greatest of all time? No, we talk about how he could have been the greatest of all time. And I don't know if we're ever going to look at Tyreek Hill and say that's the greatest of all time. However, you have to acknowledge how good of a player he really is. He has to be acknowledged as elite. But I think that to have a discussion for a guy who's in his sixth year of his career to start talking about greatest of all time, it's just too early. Elite, yes. Not not in the greatest of all time conversations as of yet. So Odell Beckham Jr. is now an L.A. Ram. Uh, he used to be a Cleveland Brown. Prior to that, he was a New York Giant. We all know how things ended with the Giants. We all know how things ended with Cleveland. And I think that there's a perception out there that Odell Beckham Jr. is a big problem. I know that there was a lot of fan bases uh, when teams started coming out. The Saints, the Packers, the Patriots, the Chiefs. And I was looking at what their fan bases were saying on Twitter, and their fan bases didn't want him. Oh, he's a lock. He's going to poison the locker room. I think Phil Sims came out and said the Patriots should absolutely not sign Odell Beckham Jr. because he's, uh, you know, he's going to ruin your team. And he has this perception of being a locker room, just the poison, I guess. I want to redo this quickly. Kevin Pitara of NFL.com wrote, Jarvis Landry said goodbye to playing with his best friend when the Cleveland Browns cut Odell Beckham, who signed with the LA Rams last week. Speaking from his second annual Thanksgiving food drive, which distributes meals to more than 1,000 needy local families, Landry said it stung to watch the situation with OBJ unfold. Quote, it definitely was something that hurt, Landry said on Tuesday via the Cleveland uh, Plain Dealer. It stung. It still does. Here's the thing. Outside of maybe Baker Mayfield, who really hasn't said anything negative about Odell Beckham Jr., outside of the shock he felt by the video and that he probably would have hoped that Odell could have in him could have, would have, should have sat down and talked about it. We don't hear a lot of negative things coming out about Odell Beckham Jr. From the locker room, the media, the fan bases, the talking heads, myself included, they talk about, you know, things that we perceive. And I never called, I've never been one and I'm, I'm going to stand by this. I have to, I've never been one to call Odell Beckham Jr., a locker room problem because I hadn't seen it. I was watching Monday night Manning uh, when we were watching the Rams and 49ers on Monday night. And Eli Manning was saying good things about Odell Beckham Jr. Now, Eli's not the kind of guy who's going to spew any kind of hatred or anything anyway. So, okay, so take that with a grain of salt. However, what are the examples? What are the examples of Odell Beckham Jr. being a problem in the locker room outside of his father posting a video about Odell Beckham Jr. and everybody, or about Baker Mayfield not throwing the ball to Odell when Odell's open? Outside of Odell Beckham Sr. posting that video, what's really been the conversation about Odell being a locker room problem? And do we know for sure that Odell Beckham Jr. even knew that that video was going up? Maybe he's one of, it's, I mean, it didn't work in Cleveland. I get that. It's not like Cleveland has been this great team and Odell's the one who took him down. You know, they blew out the Bengals in a statement game now that Odell was gone, yet they got blown out to the Patriots. So 
I just think to me, we need to get off this narrative a little bit that Odell is a locker room problem because we've never been in the locker room and nobody's coming out and saying that he's a locker room issue. There was Brown players speaking publicly to the media after the whole Odell thing went down, who basically said like, they wish that they could have figured something out that they should have had a conversation. They should have been so quick to release them. Uh. So the New England Patriots blew out, blew out the Cleveland Browns 45 to seven on Sunday. And it was a great game. The defense played great. The offense played great, but there was something special that happened. Jacoby Myers, who again, if I was a good broadcaster, would have done the research. He had the record in the NFL for the most receptions by a player and never scoring a touchdown. I think he had over like a thousand yards in receiving without a touchdown. The trivia question for the rest of the, of the of everybody's life, depending on what happens, Jacoby Myers will be who threw his first professional touchdown. It wasn't Tom Brady. It wasn't Cam Newton. It wasn't Mac Jones. Two former MVPs, the possible rookie of the year. No, it was journeyman backup Brian Hoyer who threw Jacoby Myers first touchdown. But the reaction by the Patriots team, and even Jacoby Myers came out and says, I think my team was happier than I was. Dov Kleiman, not a big fan, but he tweeted out today, pretty sure the Patriots were happy to finally get Jacoby Myers a touchdown than they were to win 45 to seven. And I almost kind of agree with that. I've never seen the Patriots react like that after a, a touchdown catch. You could just see the pure joy. I mean, the entire offensive bench was on the field. We've seen the pictures now. And that makes you just think, like, imagine the respect that the players in the Patriots locker room have to have for Jacoby Myers to be that happy for the kid when that kind of stuff happens for him. And is this newsworthy? Maybe. Maybe you're sitting there going like, was this worth talking about? But I think it is worth talking about. And I think it's worth talking about because Jacoby Myers is a free agent this year. He's probably going to demand money. And I think if you're a New England Patriots fan, you got to hope that Bill Belichick is going to bring him back on your team. Not just because of what he can produce on the field, but when you have that amount of respect in the locker room, that's going to go a long, long way to making your team good for a long time. So the Bill Belichick can draft crew has been awfully quiet this year because honestly, 2020 and 2021 has been a great draft year for, it's been a great draft for Bill Belichick. When you think about the guys who came out of it, Josh Uche, Ramondre Stevenson, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Kyle Duggar, even go back a couple more years before that, Chase Winovich, okay, but Damian Harris comes out of that draft, Mike Onwenu last year. You're starting to see the draft picks pile up and, and being successful after some admitted misses. However, how the rest of the NFL allowed Bill Belichick to draft both Mac Jones and Christian Barmore just blows my mind. PFF, PFF College Football wrote today, these rookies are unblockable. Most pressures amongst rookies, Odafi Owe of Baltimore, 29, Christian Barmore and Micah Parsons, sorry, Christian Barmore, 28, Micah Parsons, 20. 
So full disclosure, and for people who've been listening to me for a long time, back in the pre-draft, I said, okay, if the Patriots can't get their quarterback because they don't want to trade up, because I didn't think that Bill Belichick could get Mac Jones at number 15. I thought he was going to have to trade up, get him or Trey Lance, depending who the 49ers took. I said, if he can't get his quarterback, I think that they should draft Christian Barmore. I saw Christian Barmore as a top 15 talent, maybe top 20 talent at worst. He was the best defensive lineman in the draft, had some weird reputation about, I don't know, being non-committal or something of that nature. I don't know how you can play for Alabama and be, be lazy. I don't think it works that way. Anyways, Belichick sits at 15, gets Mac Jones, gets his future quarterback. I maybe, maybe, maybe Belichick didn't hear the news that they were supposed to be in purgatory for 10 years without a quarterback. And then he trades up in the second round and he gets Christian Barmore. And it's a major mistake because those two guys, along with Ramondre Stevenson, who Belichick took in the fourth round, have been instrumental to the Patriots team this year. Mike Reese tweeted this, I think, around November 7th that said, Bill Belichick on Christian Barmore. And here's what Belichick had to say, quote, I got to give that kid a lot of credit. He comes in early, stays late, works on his flexibility, his strength, his techniques. He's really applied himself. He's done better and better every week. That's a big compliment from Bill Belichick. Anybody who's been a Patriots fan for a long time knows that's a Belichick compliment and a half. And he's going to be a good Patriot for a long time. And if Ronnie Perkins can turn into what we think he's going to be, you're talking about a one, two, three, four, just absolute hit in the draft. And the Patriots are building a team to be good for a long time. And the NFL made a huge mistake considering teams like Atlanta and teams like Philly had the opportunity to draft Mac Jones. Every other team who was looking for defense had the opportunity to draft Christian Barmore. Yet here he is playing for the Patriots, playing fantastic, getting pressure up the middle, something the Patriots needed. And I just think the NFL, I just think, why? How did the rest of the NFL let that happen? So the Arizona Cardinals need to jump back after a pretty bad loss last week. But it should be noted that they were without their best receiver and their starting quarterback. Kyler Murray's been out for a couple of weeks. I know they took a, they had a win against San Francisco. Everybody thought, okay, they're going to be okay. And then they really, they get blown out to the Carolina Panthers who were just blown out the week before by the New England Patriots, which is the NFL this year, by the way. And we're going to talk a little bit about that after, but they need Kyler Murray. And I did a report this week about it. And I said, listen, the page or the Carol the Patriots, the Carolina, the Arizona Cardinals are only as good as Kyler Murray is when he's on the field. Jack Brown wrote, the Arizona Cardinals could have their star signal caller back under center in week 11. Kyler Murray said on Wednesday he's pretty close to returning from an ankle injury that sidelined him for the past two games, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Murray was among the leading MVP candidates before injuring his ankle. The third-year quarterback has racked up 2,276 passing yards with 17 touchdowns and seven interceptions while adding 147 yards and three scores on the ground. Now, his MVP bid is probably out the window at this point, considering that he's two games behind Tom Brady. Well, right now he seems to be the consensus, but he had a rough game. So maybe Arizona, you know, through two interceptions, so maybe Arizona could come back. But I don't even think Arizona should be worrying about anything to do with interception or with uh, MVPs right now. You just got to worry about getting Kyler Murray back on the field, get him back healthy, have him ready to go. Because at the, excuse me, at the end of the day, they're only as good as them. Hopefully, DeAndre Hopkins is back on the field. And I think they have like what, like an eight and two record right now. I think that's their record. I mean, 
they're, they're still looks like one of the best teams in the NFC, but the NFC's got some good teams. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the LA Rams, obviously, even though they're on a two-game losing streak, the Buccaneers, even though they're on a two-game losing streak, it looks like Carolina suddenly got some new life. And because of that, I think that the Cardinals need to keep pushing forward and having Murray on the field is going to be important. However, is I love Kyler Murray, by the way. I think he's one of the most dynamic players in the league. I'm, I've been enamored with him since he's entered the league. Uh, obviously, Arizona made a, a, a fantastic move by drafting him and moving on from Josh Rosen. And, and that was a little controversial at the time, but it's looking now like that was the right thing to do. However, I just think that he need, his health is becoming a concern over the last couple of seasons. I don't remember if he missed time last year, but I know he was playing hurt a lot. And I think that if the Arizona wants to be successful, they got to make sure that he's on the field going forward. All right, guys, so we're going to keep going here. And uh, it's kind of time for the mailbag questions of the day. Uh, and they come from our Patreon page. Every day I put out a... Uh, just a, a Q&A and I say, ask me anything. And the Patreon members over on the Ray Route Patreon page will ask me those questions and I answer them. And I do an exclusive video there every night and I answer like whatever. Last night, I think there was five different questions. And today I know there's at least three because I picked two of them, but there'll be more. And I answer the questions, but I do bring a couple of them on here as a part of the mailbag. <clears throat> so before we get started, let me tell you about my Patreon page because when you join the Ray Route Patreon page, you will get four exclusive videos fueled by subjects that you give me every single week. I don't put out any, hey, what about this? What about that? You guys tell me what to talk about each and every night. That's right. When you become a Patreon member, you'll get four exclusive videos on Patreon every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But that's not all. Every second Friday, I post a, I host a Patreon hangout for all the Patreon members where you have the opportunity to hang out on the screen with me just like this on YouTube. You can hang with me on the screen. We chat. There's like 10 of us on there. Lawrence pops by. Connor comes over. Connor is now a Patreon member. You can come join us there um and just chat about football we chat about life basically we're just a bunch of friends chopping it up talking about everything guys i also don't believe in making huge money off of this i want everybody to have the opportunity and i just want a little bit of a kickback so that you know i can pay my bills and whatnot and you know so i don't believe in having different tiers i don't believe in excluding people because they can't afford big money there's patreon pages out there for all different genres where it's like hey if you want this it's this much if you want this it's this much hey if you want the best of the best, you got to pay this much, not on the Ray Route Patreon page. I have one tier. It is $5 a month. That's it. I will never ask you for another dime. Everybody pays the same thing, and everybody gets all of the content and all of the perks, including the link to our Discord, our Discord page that's exclusive to the Patreon groups. Guys are on there actively chatting about football. I jump on there time to time. I'm old and busy, so I can't get on there often, but I do get on there talking a little bit of ish, and we built a pretty cool community on the Patreon page, and I think most of us feel like we're friends. So don't wait any longer. Sign up for my Patreon page by clicking the link I've left in the description or go to www.patreon.com slash sports. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Come join our little community of football fans over on Patreon. And with that, let's get into the mailbag. Thomas says, I really want to know your opinion on why this season is so inconsistent with the strength of the teams, especially in the AFC. Good teams struggle after a blowout. Bad teams glance against top contenders. The standings are going up and down. What do you think the reason for this is? And Thomas, this is a great question because I have no idea why the AFC is so inconsistent. Perhaps it was a little bit of a... Um, 
an overvaluation by the media and podcasters and bloggers like myself who looked at some teams and thought they were better than they were. I mean, I looked at the AFC North and thought, okay, Baltimore is going to be a really competitive team. Pittsburgh could be competitive. We think that Cleveland's going to take another step. Let's see the jump that Cincinnati would make. We believed Buffalo was going to be good. We believed Miami was going to be a competitive team. We thought the Patriots could possibly bounce back. The Colts were supposed to be this defensive powerhouse that just pounds the football up the field. The Titans obviously were supposed to be really good. Kansas City, of course, was supposed to run over the entire AFC. Could Buffalo slow them down? Is it time for Denver to take that next step now that they got Teddy Bridgewater? Hey, the the Raiders could jump in. There was a lot. I mean, we put a lot of teams in, and we were talking about it all the entire offseason. The AFC is going to be so much better than the NFC. Who's a real challenger in the NFC, right? Maybe Tampa Bay, not the Saints anymore. They don't have Drew Brees, not Carolina with Sam Darnold. Ah, The 49ers and the Rams, we'll see. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, Seattle was supposed to be Team NFC, but sticking with the AFC. So I think that's a lot of teams. I mean, obviously teams like the Chiefs underperforming. Steelers are obviously worse than we thought they were. Baltimore, I believe, looks worse than we thought they were going to be. The Patriots look better. Miami looks way worse. I even think Buffalo looks worse. I thought Buffalo was going to look really, really strong the entire season. They've looked good at times. They've looked really strong at times. They've looked really poor at times. So I think maybe it was more of an over-evaluation by us before the season started rather than teams not performing. However, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. Um, it's a tough question to answer, to be real with you. And I wish that I could sit here and give you this big, long explanation, but there's just not teams living up to the expectation. And one thing I'm going to talk about the 2021 season, outside of maybe some of the COVID cases and some of the guys who couldn't play and, you know, Joey Bosa's out now and all that kind of stuff, but, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't play a game and whatever. But I this year has been the epitome of any given Sunday. Because we've watched good teams. We've watched Dallas get blown out by Denver. We watched Buffalo lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, we watched Kansas City get blown out by Buffalo. The only team that's consistently been bad are the Jets, and even they beat teams like the Bengals, who have been up and down all year. So I wish I could give a better answer, but that's pretty much my answer, is that just uh, maybe we over-evaluated too much. And Thomas asked another question, and he asked, one player from the Pats, and I can't recall who it is, it was either Matthew Judon or Dante Hightower, said, a short week, you don't have time to make a game plan. You just have to do your bread and butter. I get that. You don't have enough time for prepara preparation like usual, but you got to have something worked out, right? Uh, another great question, and if I was in the NFL, I would tell you how a short week works. I know I heard Mac Jones say this week he's never had this quick of a turnaround for for a game before so it'll be interesting to see how mac jones responds to a thursday night game because he's never had that sunday to thursday and of course the patriots are very game plan oriented fortunately for the patriots they're going up against atlanta whose defense is weak whose offense is weak they have no receivers um so for mac jones at least going up against atlanta it could be okay uh, what I did hear, though, this week is the Patriots are not having any padded practice. It's all walkthroughs and competitive walkthroughs and then uh, intense study periods off the field. The good news is the Patriots have a lot of veteran players like Hightower, Judon, Devin McCourty, right? Even Hunter Henry that have been through this that can help some of those younger guys. So I think there is a game plan. I think they do draw things up. However, what you probably see out of both teams is more of their bread and butter with a little bit of scheming in between. And I feel like Thursday night football is probably more in line with 
the feel of the game and making adjustments. And that's probably where coaches earn their stripes on Thursday night football. It's probably also a reason that for a long time, Thursday night football games really weren't good. We always complained about the results. Even the Patriots on Thursday night, there was never these great battles. They were always these sort of tight, sloppy games. And I think it's just because of that lack of preparation. However, the Patriots are rolling right now. So if you're just going with your bread and butter, which is of course, run the football. And of course, Damian Harris being back. uh, I think that they could, how exactly the preparation works. I mean, obviously I'm not a professional player, so I can't fully lean into to the answer, but I think that that's pretty much how, how I would break it down. So again, thank you for Thomas's questions. I know I got more questions over on the Patreon page. As soon as I finish recording this podcast, I'm actually going over there to record the Patreon exclusive. If you want your questions asked either on Patreon or here on the podcast, either on YouTube or during the, you know, on the actual podcast network. So, you know, networks, I mean, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast, uh, talking football with Ray, uh, come join the Ray route Patreon page. I already told you links in the description. Come check it out there. So the New England Patriots had a fantastic game against Cleveland, and they did it without Damian Harris last week. They were lucky to get Ramondre Stevenson back, who had his first 100-yard game of his career, and he looked really, really fantastic. But the Patriots got fantastic news today. Doug Kai tweeted out that the Patriots running back Damian Harris is off the injury report and good to go for Thursday night against the Falcons. And when you're talking about a team that wants to just do their bread and butter, we talk about short preparations. We talk about teams that want to just do their bread and butter offensively. Bread and butter for the Patriots, run the football, make safe throws. The triple-headed monster of Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and Brandon Bolden ready to go. And yes, I call them the triple-headed monster. Brandon Bolden has been having a fantastic season. But it's good to see Damian Harris back. Uh, It obviously gives a little bit of insurance in case somebody else gets injured. He's been on the concussion protocol. He's been taken off that list. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, when you can kind of – and I want to see them be able to protect all three guys – I think that if you got to, if someone has to carry the ball too much, that's when you're risking injury. That's when you're risking bad things to happen. So excited for uh, the Patriots that Damian Harris can be back. Of course, I want to see them just how they can run against that Falcons team. And of course, with the offensive line getting better, Trent Brown back on the on the the field and the Patriots using the offensive line in interesting ways. Mike Onwenu sort of being a rotation guy now. Ted Karras now is a starting job. At least he did last week. And I, they're not going to be going up against a Miles Garrett this week. I'm not really overly concerned about the Atlanta pass rush when it comes to trying to get to the Patriots. So it's, uh, yeah, they should be able to run the football pretty effectively with Damian Harris back. They can use that triple, you know, quarterback or running back set. And I think that it's going to be very effective. And it was great news for the Patriots that he is back in action. And Cam Newton, who had, I think, 17 offensive snaps last week for Carolina and ran in a touchdown and threw a touchdown pass, uh, looks like he could be the Carolina Panthers starter moving forward. My sports update tweeted that Panthers head coach Matt Rule says things are trending towards Cam Newton starting Sunday versus Washington. Uh, A feel-good story if you're a Cam Newton fan or a feel-good story if you're a Carolina or even, even a New England Patriots fan. I don't think when there's a lot of Patriot fans that have any ill will towards Cam, it's not like it was a bad breakup. He didn't say anything bad about the Patriots when he left. And frankly, Cam Newton seemed to be a really, really good guy in the dressing room. And I think a lot of people are rooting for him to be successful. Uh, It's also kind of fitting that he gets to go back to Carolina. The Raleigh crowd seems to have really rallied behind him and they're happy to see him back. And I think I'm happy for Cam Newton in the sense that he's getting a chance to play. And it doesn't surprise me that he's already getting a chance to start. I think my only concern that I would have, and I'm not trying to be negative and I'm not trying to be a quote unquote cam hater 
is we saw how much he struggled with the Patriots playbook and he never really grasped it all of last season. And he had a lot more time to learn that playbook than Carolina's. And I can't remember if he played for Matt rule, maybe a little bit, but I think that Newton's last season was the year that, that Rivera was fired. So it's, it's not like there was even this really big connection between cam and the Carolina coaching staff that he really understood the playbook, but I'm sure if you keep it simple, and you run some of the old Carolina plays, it should be good. Obviously, Cam's leadership, we talked about that earlier this week, that he's just in, it's infectious in the locker room. You saw the energy both on offense and defense from Carolina last week. I don't know if they're going to come out and win this week. It's a good, probably a good time, though, to play Washington. Obviously, he's got to play his old coach, Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera knows him, but Chase Young is out for the season. And that that really slows down the Washington defense. They're still a good defense, but losing the former de uh, rookie defensive player of the year, one of the best pass rushers in the league, uh, that's going to bid well for Cam Newton. We'll have to see how he does. I'm not putting any low expectations or high expectations on the game. I want to watch that game sort of expectation-free and just see how things roll out for Cam Newton. And finally, let's do a Thursday night preview. Obviously, Thursday night will be the New England Patriots going to Atlanta to face the Falcons. The Patriots are seven-point road favorites over the Falcons for this game. Last week, the Patriots beat those Cleveland Browns 45-7, to and the Falcons lost to the Dallas Cowboys 43-3. to Let's take a look at the team's offenses and defenses. The Patriots' offense is overall the 15th best offense in the NFL. They're 16th in rushing, 14th in passing, and 6th in scoring. The Falcons' defense answers with the 22nd best or worst defense in the league 21st and rushing 17th and passing 31st and scoring the Patriots obviously having the advantage with their offense versus the Falcons defense offensively for Atlanta they're the 25th overall offense 29th and rushing 15th in the past scoring is their 25th whereas the Patriots defense is the sixth overall uh, defense in the league, 14th in the rush and in the run game, eighth in passing, second in scoring, and that run defense has been getting better. And some of those, some of those numbers are skewed from earlier games of this season. They also have a turnover differential with the Patriots of plus three and the Falcons at minus five. Right, the Patriots have won four straight games in five of their last six after a one and three start. The Patriots are one of two teams, along with Tampa Bay, to score at least 45 points in multiple games. Rookie quarterback Mac Jones has completed at least 70% of his passes in six of his first 10 starts. The only rookie quarterback to do so, the rookie record is nine, and that is by Dallas Cowboy Dak Prescott. Now, Atlanta has five has lost five straight games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, including an 0-3 mark this year since moving to the retractable roof stadium in 2017. Atlanta is just 14-21 and 21 at home. The Falcons will try to get to 500 for the third time this season. They have not been above 500 since the end of the 2017 season. So overall, when you look at the matchups offensively, when you look at the defensive matchups, when you look at the, the turnover ratios, when you look at everything, I think it's pretty simple that you have to pick the Patriots to win this game. I'm not saying that because I'm a Patriots fan. I'm saying that because it's the only logical thing to say right now. So my prediction for Thursday Night Football will be the Patriots, and I think it's going to be about a 24-13 to 13 game. If they would have had an entire week of preparation, I would have made it a bigger blowout, but just being a Thursday night game, I'm going to say 24-13, to 13, and I think the Patriots are going to win this one pretty handedly. And with that being said, guys, that is it for talking football with Ray, with me, Ray. 
I uh, appreciate y'all. If you watch this whole thing, thank you very much. If you're watching on YouTube, man, hit that like button, share it, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. I appreciate it. If you're on the, uh, the pod, listen on the podcast, Hey man, subscribe to the channel. A new podcast comes out Monday through Friday, talking about the NFL Monday. Obviously I recap what happened on the weekend and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I sort of set up the rest of the week, talk about the Probably not the most pressing news because some of the pressing news in the NFL is boring. I try to talk about the more interesting news, and we like to just come out here and talk about fun. We're not talking about politics. We're not talking about world peace. We're not trying to solve financial crises. We're not trying to cure COVID-19. We're not arguing about anything. We're here talking about football, having a good time. If you're not having a good time, you're just not going to have a good time in life, and I suggest you go do something else because you're just miserable. Anyways, I appreciate you all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Never forget, you're all legit. Hey, listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.